1: Arsenal of Marca Mesuto Phil. Bellerin, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca verso, Monreal. Pim pam pum. This is Arscast
2: Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog.
1: James, a very warmly goodly morning to you. Very warmly, me meet- very warmly morning to you, too. You threw me there. You you broke the format, Andrew. Absolutely.
2: Sorry about that. But it is roasting here uh, in Dublin. I'm sure it's roasting in London as well. We're not used yeah. to this. We're not used to this kind of sustained heat wave that we're having here. Normally, in Ireland, we get a couple of nice days here and there. Then it reverts to the mean. But apparently, we're going to have something like 27, 28, 29 degrees at some point this week, which is... Uh, which is crazy, but good. I'm not complaining. Let, let it be
1: clear. Yeah. I mean, how will the country cope? Will it grind to a halt like London normally does when it reaches these sorts of temperatures?
2: I don't really know. I think what will happen is that there will, uh, every night, there'll be a strange red glow in the sky. And that will be people's skin. Just casting a, right. a, a red glow into the nighttime because Irish people, you know, not necessarily uh, used to the sun, tend to burn quite easily. They get very red. Uh, there's also the idea of, oh, wow, it's sunny. Let's all lie out and go topless. Like everywhere, everywhere I went this weekend, it was topless men. Just everywhere. Sure. Shirts off. Sun's out. Shirts off. In the park walking the dogs. Shirts off. Going through the supermarket. Shirts off. Doing the garden shirts off. Everywhere is just topless men.
1: Where do you think it is acceptable to be shirts off and where not? I feel like supermarket is mm. not ideal. You don't want someone in a supermarket with all that food sweating all over it, shirts off, do you?
2: No, I don't think I don't think indoors really is acceptable unless it's a swimming pool. An indoor swimming pool, maybe. But outdoors, yeah. I don't really care. If they're walking down the street, fair enough. You know, if you're willing to to let it all hang out. And some of these gentlemen are indeed letting it all hang out. We're not talking about uh, ripped, uh, muscular, Ronaldo-esque physiques here. We're talking all shapes and sizes, um, uh, and they're, they're doing it. But, uh, you know, look, it's a good complaint to have. The other thing I just want to mention at the start of this podcast is that we are having some, some work done on the house. Chances are it's going to be noisy. There's going to be noisy stuff happening. The dog, Archer in particular is not happy about the the two uh, workmen being here at all he's quite stressed he's mm. not like he's not being mean to them or anything but he would just prefer if they went you know, which is sure. where it's, I am with it. It's invasion I, of
1: his space, isn't it? Yeah, you know, exactly. He's not going to be happy with
2: it. He's not happy. And Lana just doesn't really care. She's like, ha-ha, hooray, more new people for me to be friends with because she's that kind yeah. of a happy little puppy uh, at the moment. So if there are any strange noises and bangings and drillings and hammerings and, I don't know, screams probably, uh, I apologize for those um, mm. in advance. So.
1: You're definitely not burying a body or something like that. 100% probably not. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We'll take you at your word. (laughs)
2: Yes, I think you should. Now, you must have had a very good weekend, James, because, well, England, England beat the mighty Panama (laughs) 6-1 in the World Cup. James, serious question. Is it coming home?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I think it's flights are booked. I think it's flights are booked. It probably needs to go through security. It needs to make sure it hasn't got too big a piece of hand luggage. But I think it is uh, undoubtedly coming home. I mean, once you've beaten Panama, the world is your oyster. Beat Panama and the world is yours. That's the Mm. famous saying, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. Yeah, beat Panama and you own three tenths of their canal. That's true. Yeah.
1: That's that's what they've got the canal and not a particularly good football team. I mean, I don't know if you saw that game, but they I mean, they made uh Honduras's World Cup participation look relatively soft by the means they went about trying to stop England, really just kicking them wherever possible to be honest.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a reasonable tactic when you know you're playing a team that's better than you. I didn't see I didn't sit down and watch it, you know, I was sort of flitting in and out and uh, watching the goals and bits and bobs. So I didn't really watch the overall performance, but Mm. 6-1, still a good result by any standards, even if the the opposition is poor.
1: It is. And it's been quite uh, refreshing. uh, As someone who does support England and tries to get behind them when the big tournaments roll around, uh, it's been quite refreshing watching this team. They are relatively good on the eye I mean for half half the previous game against Tunisia they were all right, and for the majority of this one they were okay so it's sort of weird I don't know what to do about that I'm so used to watching England in despair um, that this feels quite surreal I, I don't realistically hold much hope of them going particularly deep in the competition but it is nice to just watch an England team that play some decent stuff and I mean, de- the fact that Deli Ali was injured as well, I think, really helped me enjoy it. I think he's my, co- he's 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 clearly my least favourite player on the team. So his absence definitely went some way towards helping me, you know, make peace with the fact that I was celebrating a Harry Kane goal. For yeah, example. not just one goal, but
2: two goals and three goals. Uh, I thought the third one was a bit spawny, wasn't it? But there you go.
1: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I mean, when your luck's in, it's in, I guess. Uh, But, uh, I mean, to be fair to him, he didn't particularly celebrate that goal. Maybe he was anticipating an offside flag, but he didn't run around claiming it, you know, with all the... He didn't claim it quite as much as he did that one against Stoke in the Premier League last season. Let's put it
2: like that. (laughs) Yeah, this one actually hit him, so he didn't have to be as vociferous. You know, he didn't have to swear on his daughter's life that it hit his heel and went in. We all saw it, whereas nobody (laughs) saw the one against Stoke because you know he didn't touch it. But uh, yeah, I I, I think the other thing about England as well is that Gareth Southgate seems like a nice guy. He does, you know. Yeah. He's he's hard to dislike, Gareth Southgate.
1: Yeah, he is. And I think when you compare him to divisive characters like, I don't know, Capello or Allardyce, God, who held Mm. the England Post. Southgate is a a breath of fresh air in that respect. But it's also a bit of a redemption story. You know, know, Euro 96, it was a real low point for him. And he wore that relatively well, really. I mean, he had no choice. But uh, for him to come back and be managing the team now and for it to be a team that's, seems to be kind of galvanizing people a little bit it is a nice story i mean it is weird as a club fan i am struggling with that making peace with that idea of you know supporting players who i spend eight months of the year despising but uh that's international football for you isn't it i mean that's the problem with international football
2: yeah didn't garris do a do an ad for
1: some
2: pizza Pizza company it was pizza hut was it yeah. Where they were talking about his his miss penalty in Euro '96, yeah. Hmm.
1: I think it, the advert. I can't remember it exactly, but I think it was that he was eating in Pizza Hut with a bag on his head. Okay, hang on, because he couldn't be yeah. seen in public. Right. And then Stuart Pearce also appeared in the advert and was like, "Don't worry, mate. You know it gets better. Okay. Have some pizza. Something like that."
2: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up here. So Gareth Southgate, okay. Pizza Hut. Oh, here it is. Yeah. I can see it. He's got a bag on
1: his head. Miss (laughs) Pizza Hut Pan Pizzas, unless I'm mistaken. Mm. Thank Thank you, you. Miss. Come on, Gareth. It only took me six years to get over it. Have some Pan Pizza.
2: Pan Pizza from Pizza Hut, a light, fluffy base with a crisp crust smothered with generous toppings.
1: Thanks a lot, boys. I feel much better now
2: this
1: time is it the post pizza hut pan pizza oh it my always god. hits the spot. oh my god now let's let's fill in the gaps presumably he walks into something yeah. just at the end of that does he yeah because he walks got into like a,
2: a a wall or a, a pillar or something like that and it's Stuart it's pierce and chris waddle mm, stick to the oh, uh oh yeah don't don't <laughs> don't try acting guys
1: no, I mean, it's interesting. People always talk about Stuart Pierce's alternate career. I think it was as a an electrician, um, but they haven't mentioned his acting pedigree. In no. That, which is strange, because that is a tour de force performance from him in that But
2: It really is. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, my estimation, uh, my, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My- respect. My respect for Gareth Southgate is now absolutely in the toilet once more. So uh, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's evaporated. <laughs> yeah, completely. So yeah, uh, good A week- uh, good weekend for England. Um, what else have you made of of what's gone on this weekend? I don't don't even know where to start really. There's not a great deal of Arsenal news we should point out. So we are going to be pretty much focused on World Cup stuff and Arsenal involvement at the World Cup. I suppose the big story, if you want to call it that, was the lack of Mesut Ozil for Germany. Was that a surprise?
1: Uh, I wasn't that surprised, I have to say. I just felt like they had to make changes really after their opening game defeat against Mexico, and it, it struck me that he was someone who might be vulnerable. Uh, I mean, they weren't particularly brilliant in this game either, no. so I wouldn't say I wouldn't write him off for the for the tournament. But being Germany, they got the job done, didn't they? And it was a, a pretty good goal that won it in stoppage time too. It
2: was, but I'd be really unhappy with my goalkeeper there. I really yeah, think I really think too. the goalkeeper didn't set up his wall right. It wasn't a big enough wall. Um, you know, it was a great shot from from Tony Cruz, but pff, keeper really uh, really didn't cover himself in glory there. Which has uh, been the story of some of the goalkeeping at this World Cup. It has to be mm. said. Um, yeah, Germany obviously a team that can. <sighs> that know how to win games, I guess, or can just pull something out of the fire when they need to. But they weren't great against Sweden, were they? Um, I know we've got a
1: lot of... No, they weren't. But Sometimes a moment like that can be so crucial in a tournament. And, you know, it's amazing what that late winner might do for their confidence. And as soon as that ball hit the net, there was part of me that thought, well, they might well go on and win it now. I know that seems like a a big step from where they are now, but they're just so good at, at churning out the results that you just wouldn't put it past them.
2: Mm. Uh, Granite Xhaka scored uh, the first Arsenal goal of the World Cup, I think, did he?
1: Uh, quite possibly. Quite possibly. And and it, what a goal too. Great hit from Xhaka. Yeah, it really was. Superb. Uh,
2: really cracked that one against, uh, who were they playing?
1: Serbia, of course. Serbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, hence all the controversy, I guess, uh, that's followed with his, his celebration.
2: Yeah. Xhaka, Shakiri and Stefan Lichsteiner have all been charged by FIFA um, for the, the celebration, which is... The Albanian Eagle, I don't really want to get into the the politics of it all and everything else because we did a, a story on ArsBlog News about this just to report right. the fact that it had happened and it turned into a, um, well, you know, the comment section certainly sparked a lot of um, disagreement and disharmony among people. So yeah, look, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those that you people say politics and sport shouldn't mix, but then at the end of the day, people are people and they're they're human beings and they have feelings and they have histories and all those kind of things. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to know what's going to happen with this one. They have opened disciplinary proceedings against Shakiri and Jack and also Lichsteiner, who copied the celebration too. So I don't know what he was doing. Um, maybe it was just in support of his his. Um, his teammates, but uh, they could find yeah. themselves suspended perhaps for the next game.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I don't think we have to necessarily get into the, the politics of the situation, but in terms of FIFA's politics and how they police it, you just hope that they are consistent in how they apply this rule. You know, they say they don't want uh, anything that's politically aggravating on the field. That's fair enough, but... You know, you just hope that they, if they, if they mean that, then they say that, and it's applied universally. You know, you don't want it just because it was during a World Cup. The, yeah, the the punishment is, is different. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I have to say, I, I suspect they will receive some sort of ban yeah. as a consequence. But we'll see.
2: Uh, Serbia obviously very unhappy at what went down in the game because um, one of the things that has emerged over the course of the tournament is the use of VAR, and in many cases it has been it has been a success. But Mm. I think we've seen a number of examples or a number of incidents now where you're wondering why it hasn't been used because replays are showing us clear fouls, clear uh, wrongs that could have been put right by VAR, and for some reason that's not happening. So you think of Harry Kane against Tunisia where he claimed to have been uh, held, which I think he was being held in the box all right. Then you look at the yeah, sure. um, the incident involving Lichsteiner again uh, and Mitrovic, the Serbian striker. I don't know who the other Swiss player was, but the two of them had him. Basically, they had their arms wrapped around him as he tried to make a header. And he did make a header. It was an honest attempt to go for the ball, but he's got two men literally hanging off him. And somehow, that's not considered an incident worthy of being reviewed by var or if it was reviewed by var it wasn't then referred to the referee to go and take a, a second look i mean what did you what do you make of that because i think people are looking at var as a way of ridding the game of inconsistency when it comes to refereeing decisions and perhaps what we're seeing is var adding a new a new layer of inconsistency to what we already have, despite the fact that it it has gone well. I think for the most part, it's been a success and very well done at this tournament.
1: Yes, I mean, I'm just looking now at FIFA's guidelines for when VAR is allowed to be used during the World Cup. And apparently it's in four key areas. So goals uh, can be reviewed, penalty awards can be reviewed or rescinded, Uh, straight red cards and mistaken identity. So obviously the, the incident you're talking about with Mitrovic should have qualified under the argument of, uh, of
0: a yeah. So
1: I, I, I'm not really clear on why certain incidents aren't getting reviewed. Maybe it's just that they're not getting the replays as quickly through VAR as we are through television. I don't know. It does seem very odd. I mean, you mentioned the Kane thing, and and England sort of did get the benefit of that almost belatedly against Panama because it felt like the official was very hot on what Panama were doing in the same box which was basically exactly the same thing as Tunisia but of course in a tight game against Tunisia I'm sure they would have preferred to get the decisions then and there. Um, Another thing that struck me about VAR and I do think it's been implemented really pretty successfully and I'm someone who has you know some real concerns about how it affects the flow of the game and how it affects the stadium experience but I think for the most part in the World Cup, it's been well done. Often when the referee goes over to view the replays, it feels like he's not watching the best angle. Have you ever noticed that? That we get shown an angle on television that seems clear cut and then the referee goes over to watch it and he seems to be watching a less... Uh, a less clear angle of an incident and they're still getting it right but it seems odd that yeah. they're not getting him the right view at the right time you know
2: are we seeing exactly what the referee is seeing all the time though that's uh, that's the uh,
1: only I'm talking about instance where there's a there's a camera behind the referee so we can literally see what he's seeing on the screen yeah. so I, I yeah in those instances yes but I don't know I mean it, it's a bit of a grey area still isn't it I do think the decisions that it is reviewing I think invariably the referees are calling those decisions right, and yeah. I, and I'm impressed they're doing that because sometimes it, when you see a replay once or twice, it's still not easy to do that. Um, I think that the the concern is exactly as you say what they're missing
2: mm. there was a I mean there was a good example of where it's really been used well, I think in the Brazil game where a penalty was awarded to Neymar for what was not yeah. a penalty it was never a penalty. And they've gone back and they've corrected that decision. Whereas once a referee, we talk about referees only having a split second to make up their mind... There was no way of changing that. The only way that they could uh, deal with those uh, decisions afterwards is to come out and say, I got that wrong, and referees don't really do that, uh, or whether they're allowed to do that in the past, I don't know. So you know, I think it's good uh, to see the implementation of it, but I do worry a little bit about what's being missed and when something very clear is missed, like the push on the Swedish guy in the Sweden-Germany game where Boateng just pushed him in the back as he was going clear through on goal. Um, so how is that not being reviewed when we're seeing replays of a, of an obvious foul in the box that should have been a penalty, or maybe it was just outside the box. I can't remember, but you know, I guess we're going to find out more and more as this goes on, whether you call them teething problems or not, I'm not sure, but the more we use it, the more we're going to discover about the, the good side of it and and the bad side of it. And I suppose it's, it's going to, It's going to develop over the years, isn't it, with use, where the use of VAR now, I guess, will be very different from the use of VAR in five years' time because they will have, hopefully, have honed the process a bit.
1: Yes, I think that's true. I I do think, for the most part, you know, I think FIFA will regard its implementation as a success in this tournament, and that Neymar incident that you referred to, I think, is one of the shining examples. And I think what I liked about that most is... That the referee, the referee was prepared to overturn his own decision. You know yeah. that he wasn't. There's a sort of um, a humility in that that we don't always associate with referees, and I think perhaps unfairly because they have to have a hard line. You know, they have to be definitive. They can't mm. say to players on the pitch, "Maybe I got that wrong," or you know, they can't show any sign of doubt. Mm. Uh, but what what this technology is enabling them to do is allow them to be a little bit more discerning and a little bit less um, certain at times. And I think that's actually probably a positive thing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I I do think that there are issues to be solved. And I think, I mean, maybe it'll be a bit easier when not every game is live on television. It's, it feels like part of the issue is that we are also getting our own televised replays of every single incident, of every single game. So it feels like we, as the viewer, are still one step ahead of the referee. And I think they need to do everything they can to close that gap.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do wonder as well, uh, you know, in the long term, what the effect will be on the game, because obviously the professional game and and everything else uh, will be very different from the amateur game. But that's, I guess, true of most things. You know, if you think about tennis, they don't have Hawkeye at, uh, you know, at your local tennis court. So, um, yeah, maybe it doesn't make that much difference.
1: Um, (sighs) Go on. No, just quickly on that, I, I think that it will be interesting because, you know, if you think about uh, if you think about the pulling and holding in the penalty box, by way of example, I mean, we've seen so many spot kicks awarded in this World Cup, we're, we're clearly on course to break the record for penalties. I think we might have matched it already. We're very close to it, if not. But that presumably will prompt an evolution in defenders' behaviour. I mean, they will have to cut that out, essentially. Whereas lower down the pyramid that will continue. So there will yeah. be this sort of slight diversification of how defending works.
2: Yeah, I do wonder as well if the, the the decision not to give penalties for pulling and grappling and everything else in the area is because it is such a Pandora's box. Because once you start penalising infringements in the box uh, for set pieces, for corners, etc., etc., you know, it's not like there's just one foul occasionally, in the build up to a corner there's yeah. there's guys on both sides doing the holding doing the pulling doing the you know uh, blocking off all those kind of things so if you're going to give a penalty you could just as easily give a free kick out you know so it's um it is a bit of a pandora's box in that regard
1: yeah true i the one thing i hope is that it doesn't push football towards feeling like a more set piece orientated game I mean that that would be my one concern about what it does to the the playing style it feels like the weight of set pieces and playing for those set pieces has increased a little bit during this World Cup uh and there at least seems to be a little bit more emphasis on that so Mm. I hope that that I hope that doesn't last
2: yeah I did see people saying you know a penalty specialist (laughs) you know is is something that every team should have but you know I think most teams uh, would possess a, a good penalty taker anyway, whether it's a forward or a, a right back, as it was for us in the past with Lee Dixon, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm. uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, David Ospina played for Colombia last night, and that was quite funny. Did you watch any of that?
1: I saw uh, the second half of that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw, and I saw, I was aware that David Ospina was, he was pulling out the old classics, wasn't he? It was, it was, a, it was a vintage Ospina performance in terms of the proportion of time he spent on the ground.
2: He really does love an injury stoppage, doesn't he? He just, you know, he goes uh, through every game. There's got to be at least one. Uh, I can't remember a player ever to have as many stoppages for treatment. Guy, you know, at times you think, holy shit, he's really injured. He's going to have to come off. Ospina's down. He's clutching his neck, his shoulder, his foot, his ankle, his whatever, his hand. His hand must be broken. Look at the pain he's in. And then he's fine. He's just fine all the time as well. So maybe he's extremely, extremely sensitive. Like maybe his nerve endings are just that tiny bit closer to the surface than anybody else. So even the slightest bit of a a bump or a hit or a a whack into him causes him intense pain. But then maybe also he has superb powers of recovery so the pain doesn't last as long. He could be just some kind of mutant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's possible, isn't it? It has to be possible. I mean, and maybe that's part of his strength too. You know, these heightened senses, uh, you know, he can kind of tell where the ball's going to go. And that's why he's a decent shot stopper because he feels every motion of the ball through the air. It causes him (laughs) pain. Um, It it does seem odd. It does seem odd. I mean, you know, he he definitely came out on top yesterday in the battle of the current and former Arsenal goalkeepers. He was on the winning side by Mm. three goals to nil against... But the, the the weirdest job in football must be being Camilo Vargas, his Columbia understudy. I mean, do you think he bothers to warm up anymore every time Ospina hits the deck? He must be so frustrated. Yeah, because
2: at first he, he would have been like, oh, brilliant. My chance yeah. is coming. This is a, like, you know, I don't want to see anybody get injured, but I really want to play. You know, if it's if it's just going to put him out for the rest of this game, at least I get a chance to make an appearance. That'd be fantastic. Oh, he's all right. Okay, okay. Well, you know, next time, next time, next time. Next time comes around. He's sitting there going, maybe this time. Maybe this time he's actually injured. Maybe, maybe. And now I bet he just sits there going, that ah, fucking bastard. I wish he'd just like,
1: just stop this. Just stop this. Yeah. It's driving me mad. But. He must be at the point where he's like, he must think occasionally like, I hope this time, he must hope that he's injured one of these, actually injured one of these times because he just wants to get on the pitch. Everyone wants to play in a World Cup. Yeah. I feel for it. Mm. I feel for him. He's, he's, Ospina's teasing him. He's teasing him with all these little <laughs> uh, minor injuries. But it, yeah, I mean, I, do you think there's any like gamesmanship to it? Is he doing it to control the tempo of games? Is there thought behind it? Or is he just very, very vulnerable to pain?
2: I think probably a little from column A, a little from column B. He does like right. to, you know, use these stoppages to, to take stock. And there's no, no, uh, no denying the fact that if the game stops when you're under pressure, for example, it gives you a chance to regroup, maybe get some instruction from the sidelines, players get a breather, get a drink, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't mm-hmm. think it's that tactical, really. I think he just likes a bit of attention. I think he just likes a cuddle, you know? Say he's he a likes very... a
1: cuddle and then lie down.
0: Yeah, he doesn't.
2: I'd say he's a very tactile man. He just enjoys human contact. And he misses it during the game. He doesn't like the whacking, so he needs he needs that offset by a bit of a cuddle from the physio. All right, David. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit bit, you know, set upon here. All these attackers they're <laughs> banging into me. Don't worry, David, I'll give you a bit of a bit of a hug here. You're alright. Yeah, I'm feeling better now. Feel loved again. I can play on. Great. Let's go. So I think it's more of that.
1: He made a comment on his future after the game. I mean, it was sort of a no comment. He said, oh, I know Arsenal have bought a goalkeeper, but I'm just not thinking about it at the moment. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it does feel like we, we won't be calling him an Arsenal player for much long. Surely, surely this is finally the summer where he's on his way.
2: Just, you know, going to leave a pause there. So when I have yeah. to cut, <laughs> cut this piece of audio out to make a, a little funny jingle out of it, I can do it without any hassle. But yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, what else? What else? What else?
1: Um, well, wow. not much really. I mean, Alex Awobi suffered the same fate as Meza Ozil. He was dropped for Nigeria's game and they they won that game in yeah. some style. So I doubt he'll be back in for the final fixture of the group. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think if there was any other Arsenal involvement over the weekend. I mean, Olivier Giroud was recalled for France, but obviously, sadly, he's he's no longer one of our own.
2: No, he is um, not. Carlos Vela scored for uh, Mexico, former Arsenal player Carlos Vela. Yeah, did. Mm.
1: Uh, did I always enjoyed Mexico doing well? Yeah. Um, but no, that's that's kind of that was the Arsenal involvement. Certainly, I mean, Egypt's play today, Monday, they've got a dead rubber, effectively, against Saudi Arabia. Um, and then we might see Torreira in action this, this afternoon as well for Uruguay I guess there's a chance given that they're already qualified
2: yeah Uruguay against Russia so there's probably a bit of uh, rotation going to go on uh, for both sides there so yeah that might be one to uh, to keep an eye on there's no real Arsenal interest tonight potentially Nacho Monreal could play for Spain, but I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. Um, and it's uh, Iran versus Portugal in the other game. Gelson uh, Martins, he could be playing, but whether or not we're still interested in him rem- remains to be seen. R- interested mm. him, did I say that, or interested in him?
1: That's the one. I winery. don't know, but we knew we knew what you meant. It's very strange this sporting situation, isn't it? Where mm. a bunch of players appear to have terminated their contracts. I mean, whether or not these determinations hold up, I suspect they'll be challenged legally, and money will fees will eventually have to change hands for these players. But they'll probably be determined by compensation or something odd like that. It seems like a complex situation to yeah. get involved in, the kind we've steered clear of in the past, but. You never know. Uh,
2: The uh, the president or the former president of Sporting uh, Lisbon uh, is now gone. And his reaction, he wrote a post. This is Bruno de Carvalho, who wrote a post on Facebook. He said, I will never again attend the sports events of the club. I no longer want to be part of a group of cretins who are not worth the air they breathe. So (laughs) not sure that one ended as well as anybody
1: might have liked. Yeah, things have turned a bit sour there. I think uh, William Carvalho is another one of the players who has terminated his, mm. his deal there. He seems to have been linked with Arsenal almost as long as David Ospina has been linked with the move to Turkey. But, uh, <laughs> Which is a long I, time. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if, if we did that one this summer.
2: Um, Ever Banega, more links with Ever Banega, the uh, Sevilla midfielders. Uh Midfielders. He's only one midfielder, I'm sorry uh, to inform you, but uh, we're being linked with a move for him. Obviously, he's worked with Unai Emery a couple of times uh, before at Valencia and also at Sevilla. Um, he could be an interesting player for us. I think there's reports of a meeting between Ivan Gazidis and his agent coming from the, uh, the press in Andalusia. So local press are reporting that there's some interest there. There's a phone call perhaps between... Uh, Unai Emery and uh, the player himself. So that might be a runner. What do you make of him? I mean, hes a, I think he's a good player.
1: He does seem like a good player and a, an interesting character, uh, certainly. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'd be interested to see how he'd get on in English football. He's been a real success in Spain. I think he went to Italy at one point to Inter maybe and it didn't work out for him at all there. I think he was back in Spain within the year. So it would be a big... Uh, move for him to come to the Premier League and apparently, he, you know, the, the local press are also saying his family are very happy in Spain he's very happy in Spain so, I mean, I'm sure from a footballing point of view he's interested in working with Emery again I'm sure he's interested in coming to a club like Arsenal I'm sure he's interested in the salary we're potentially offering to pay him but it's it's whether or not he's prepared to make that leap mm. in terms of his lifestyle um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's promising that we're talking about another midfielder and I like that we are Pushing ahead with the a, potentially a signing of a midfielder before waiting to see how the Aaron Ramsey situation resolves. You know, it feels like we could wait and wait and wait on that deal and end up getting stung at the end. So at least yeah. we're being proactive rather than reactive.
2: Mm, okay, well we'll wait and see. Obviously, the preseason will be starting. Is it this day next week? Perhaps preseason oh, will maybe be it's starting. Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Next Monday is. It is what the. 2nd of July, so 3rd of July, 2nd or 3rd of July is when preseason kicks off, I think. So the players who aren't away on international duty will be coming back to uh, to start their fitness work. That's when it usually begins anyway, the, uh, the first week in July. Speaking of Unai Emery, yeah. did you happen to see the front cover of the Arsenal magazine over the weekend?
1: <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know if you'd know, but I think the Arsenal magazine is kind of, going out of print sooner rather than later. I think this may be the penultimate edition or perhaps the final one. (laughs) And it's sad news, but it does feel like maybe the cover designer has taken the opportunity to <laughs> have a, a little bit of a, a joke on his way out of the office door. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it definitely feels like that. Uh, they're closing down the magazine and all of a sudden we have this cover. If you haven't seen it, I can describe it to you here. It's, you know, a glossy sure. magazine cover. Unai Emery is standing there looking proud as punch in his Arsenal blazer, white shirt, red tie smiling, got his arms folded. The banner headline at the bottom is, Welcome Unai. And it says uh, the new boss is thinking big in his first Arsenal interview. Now, the Arsenal magazine at the top usually has the word Arsenal, which is, you know, not not a surprise. It has the logo Um, and it has the big... Uh, arsenal uh, at the top of the magazine there unfortunately or fortunately or however you want to put it deliberately or accidentally Unai Emery's head is blocking out three of the letters of the word arsenal those letters are r s and e which Mm. will leave you with anal uh, it's, it's a, a little bit, uh, juvenile, but still really quite funny. And, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this was not, <laughs> this was not an accident. Come on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's Arsenal Magazine for its last edition or so has gone top shelf, hasn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a collector's item, really. I mean, get it while you can because it's it's worth holding on to. Frame it, put it on your wall. Mm.
2: They also have a little Mertesacker headline there. Mertesacker, how he's passing his Arsenal DNA onto our young guns.
1: <laughs> I don't yeah, know the, the clues. The clues in the, the headline, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I'm, um,
2: I'm not as uh, filthy-minded as you, James. So I just pictured sure. Mertesacker as a, an enormous bird with a right. nest, with a nest full of young Arsenal players, and he's gone out, just regurgitating, yeah, his f- football knowledge into their mouths. Uh, to, to help pass on what he knows about the game so they can have a, a successful career. So, uh, yeah, fun times at the Arsenal what magazine. S- what a sight.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, that would be an interesting sort of exercise, wouldn't it? I mean, I imagine that if he really wanted to make a name for himself as academy manager, he calls all the academy kids in first day (laughs) he eats a football and then (laughs) spits it into their wetting mouths i mean who knows i wouldn't put it past him you know he's he's an innovative guy pair if he thinks it's going to work he'll give it a go
2: yeah brilliant i love that someone's got to photoshop that for us please (laughs) right what we're going to do is going to take a little break here that's the end of part one we'll be back with part two which is your questions and more that's right after this Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show. We answer the questions you send to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog, also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the ArseBlog. Just a reminder, if you haven't heard my interview with Philippe Senderos, you can do that if you're an ArseBlog member on Patreon. It costs just €5 Euros a month plus VAT if you're in the EU. If you're not in the EU, you don't have to pay VAT and you can listen to Philippe Senderos and you can listen to all the other great stuff which is uh, on our Patreon page. So uh, do check that out, patreon.com forward slash. Arsblog, right, James? I'm going to let you go first with the
1: questions. Thank you very much. Well, the first question today comes from Oliver Kiddle, who's at Oli underscore Kiddle mm. on Twitter, and Oli asks, which Arsenal player do you reckon reports for pre-season the most unfit, or to put it another way, the most Luke Shawified?
2: Oh, that's that's a good question. I don't know if players these days are. Are necessarily doing what they did in the summers before, because players would come back for preseason and they'd be fat, you know, they'd be actually fat, yeah. and they'd have to run off the 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 extra pounds in preseason training. The first few weeks of preseason training were just literally running and running and running and running. Um, if I had to guess, though, who would come back? You see, I'm thinking probably Kalasinac, but only because he's the biggest guy we have the kind of stockiest guy and thus perhaps the most um prone to that kind of weight gain like you mean. can't you can't see yeah, Mika- like Mikitarian coming back with a beer belly that just doesn't work for me I can't see that
1: I, I think that it, it is increasingly rare these days I think Luke Shaw and you know Wayne Rooney are sort of kind of r- rare examples in the modern game of players who clearly return to pre-season having changed body type a little bit. I think I think Kalasanash, because he is a broader guy and he seems like the sort of person who needs to train regularly to stay in shape and even mm. in, at times during the season there were periods where it felt like his fitness dropped a little bit. So he's one you would maybe cite. But it's quite hard, isn't it, to look at the squad. I mean uh I mean maybe Santi, you know, I know he obviously won't be returning this pre-season, but he would have been a name who you might mention who's not a natural athlete is that fair
2: yeah I guess so I guess so like you know if Arshaven had still been at the club I'd say Arshaven yeah sure um
1: and uh, uh, the problem is a lot of the players have been at the World Cup right so well not a lot but a few so that counts them out they'll have had to kind of retain shape in every sense uh during that period mm-hmm. I mean I'm gonna this is maybe harsh but maybe 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 Callum Chambers I'm just going to say Callum Chambers from nowhere. Why would you I think just, that Callum Chambers is? What, what do you
2: think he's going to do? Just eat ice cream and biscuits? Yeah,
1: and- I just think he seems like, you know, he might have a sweet tooth maybe. And he's just like, of all our players, I feel like he has the build of like an, a fairly average guy. He just kind of looks like an average dude, you know, out on the pitch. Yeah. And I imagine that he might indulge himself over summer. Why not? Relax. I, I, He'll work it off, but... I mean, it's a couple of pounds here or there, though. Yeah, I'm completely making the situation up.
2: <laughs> you, you certainly are. I mean, I think Callum Chambers is probably a guy in, in really good shape. Uh, I'm going to look for Callum Chambers topless here.
1: Uh, oh, as if he haven't got it bookmarked.
2: Uh, Come on. I've got a picture of him here. He's in the bath. I don't know what that is. Why is he in the bath? Well, he's obviously having a bath, but he's got his shorts on, so... Maybe it's one of those...
1: Oh, hang on. Yeah, it's, I mean, he is in very good shape, actually, you know. Yeah. He's in look, very good shape.
2: I found a picture of him. That might be a, a while ago because he's uh, he's not got the beard, and he's standing there in a pair of pink shorts and some flip-flops. That's not a guy who's, uh, who's going to get fat. Look at that
1: six-pack. Yeah, but he's got a beard so a beard is a classic sign that someone's jawline is less clear than it used to be right and he's trying to he's trying to sharpen it up with a beard we don't know what's going on underneath the shirt right I demand to see Callum Chambers topless at the first game of next season get his shirt off or at the first day of preseason. someone that would be ideal yeah I I think they should do the squad photo topless (laughs) that'd be good Everyone yeah. be like, "I'll go at the back. I'll go at the back." Yeah. Uh, no, but I think, uh, I mean, the, the, the problem is that it's, it's in a way, it's a shame, isn't it? But I don't think players probably do get fat anymore, do they? They have to look after themselves too much.
2: Yeah, they? I mean, they measure body fat and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not a case you where get they caught. get. Yeah, you get caught these days. Exactly. There's no way. There's no way you could get away with it. So, um, was not-
1: there an Arsenal player, like historically, like in the 80s or 90s, who it felt like would? would balloon at the start of every season.
2: God, I can't think. Um, I'm sure there are people listening to this now who are screaming names, but off yeah. the
1: top of my head. We must have had our own sort of, you know, not not quite in the Jan Mulby scale, but uh, we must have had one or two. Yeah. If, well, Tweet us, tweet us, tell us who used to come back fat. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. I want
2: to shame them you want to shame them. All right. Uh, Here's a question from Ian Westwell. And I think you're completely wrong about Callum Chambers, by the way. I'll I'll maintain that. I
1: I think I'm having to accept that, yeah. But, you know, I had to pick a name from somewhere.
2: Uh, Ian Westwell uh, says, uh, this is for you particularly, he goes, which two players from the England squad would you like Arsenal to sign? Good
1: question. I must say, actually, I have been watching the England team and... uh, wondering why we didn't buy Jordan Pickford I do wonder about that
2: it's because it was 30 something million
1: pounds I would say I know I know but we have spent 20 million pounds on a guy and and I feel like you know it's not that we didn't spend any money a goalkeeper eventually and the one and Pickford uh, granted his Englishness inflated his price but I do think he's he's Mm. very good Mm. Um I do think he's very good. And and you know, I think, you know, homegrown quotas and stuff like that. I, and we were said to be watching him for a long time. I imagine the price was simply too high. But so uh I won't say him though, because we have now bought Bert Leno and I'm uh, I'm allowing myself to believe that he is sort of the new Manuel Neuer. So let's let's go with that. <laughs> um uh, who would I choose? Well who do we need, I suppose? Uh centre half, tricky. maybe. Centre so tough. i mean the the, I mean, the best player in this england team is harry kane right. and it, it i you know and i don't like saying it it's curious the harry kane thing because all season long we have to sort of put up with him playing for spurs and then suddenly he's kind of playing for england and there's a weird you know I sort of jump up for his goals and i have to have a cold shower it's kind of an odd disconnect in my mind the problem mm. with harry kane is that he he doesn't he seems like an okay guy this is much sort of. It's not like Delhi Alley where I can just unbridled hate him. Uh, mm. With Kane, there's a bit of conflict there. Uh, I'd really like him to leave Spurs. That would that's be what I'd really like. But we don't need him. But it would really make Spurs sad. So it would I make them a lot worse. Him.
2: It would make them a lot worse, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. We actually had a question about Harry Kane just quickly, which I'll do now. Which is was M full stop on Twitter who says Andrew. Do you ever wonder whether by dismissing Harry Kane a few years ago as the new Michael Ricketts, (laughs) you have single-handedly caused his ascent ever since?
2: Um, I hadn't thought about that. I'd forgotten uh, I'd said that. So (laughs) I I hereby take full responsibility for causing Harry Kane's career to blossom in the way that it has. Apologies, everyone. But of course, Harry Kane Um, uh, is now the greatest striker of all time. And what's amazing about him is he never gets injured. Ever, ever, mm. um, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, he never ever does. Ever and ever, oh,
2: he never yeah. gets it. He never gets any kind of long-term injuries uh nothing like that and like you say he's a clean cut guy james seems like a a nice fella not involved in any kind of scandals he's not you know behind yeah. the scenes part of a a crime gang or anything like that N- none of those things uh, are applicable to harry kane in any way so he is in fact the the perfect footballer that should do
1: it right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for using your jinxing powers for good this time. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably take Harry Kane to make Tottenham sad, and then I would probably take uh, just thinking about the squad, maybe I would take a center half, maybe I would take you know, John Stones or something like that.
2: Not not because- not gigantic man boy Harry Maguire, no.
1: No, I do quite like gigantic man-boy Harry Maguire. I sort of enjoy the visual of him galumphing up the field. Um, It's quite fun to watch. It's a bit like, you know, Juggernaut from X-Men when he starts moving. I mean, he sort of, it looks like he's good on the ball, but I think it's just very difficult to halt his momentum when he sort of leans forward. Um, But uh, I probably, I think Stones is a little bit more of a refined version of uh, yeah. I mean Harry Maguire Are there any England players you'd want to yeah. see in the England team in yeah.
2: Arsenal Well I mean just to go back to Harry Maguire I'm pretty sure he was 6 foot 1 at 8 you know that way Yeah It was enormous yeah, yeah, yeah. enormous and he's never quite um, shed himself of of that thing England players. I mean, look, I, I can't bring myself to say Harry Kane because you know you're English, you can get away with it. You, you,
1: he's your, uh, sure. he's your captain. He is your captain, James. I mean, even that I find very uncomfortable. The weirdest thing I find is that I, you know when you're an England player, you have to do all these endorsements, like you know Hugo Boss suits and perfumes and stuff like that. And there are all these like very stylish, like black and white posters around London and appearing on my Instagram feed as adverts. And it's like Harry Kane looking cool or trying to look cool mm. in like a modeling shot. And I think it all just falls down a bit. For yeah. me there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I not mean, quite Beckham. No,
2: <laughs> no, he's definitely not. He's definitely not. I think Jack Butland is a player who I always found quite interesting. Yeah, uh, But, you know, we've gone a different route when it comes to our goalkeeper. Uh, I would take Raheem Sterling. So I would.
1: Ah, yeah, that's an interesting shout. I, I was excited about it when it was a, a briefly mentioned rumor as regards an Alexis swap. I really felt like he would have been a, a great signing yeah. for us. But uh,
2: I, I would take him because it would just be so annoying to so many people. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think he's a really good player as well. Um, but all the all the stuff that goes on around him, where he is basically picked on uh, relentlessly by sections of the press. I think if Arsenal signed him the the kickback would be sensational from Arsenal Twitter and and all the rest. You know, I'm pretty sure uh, Manchester City fans uh, who I don't follow on Twitter really, uh, you know, do their own thing to protect their player, mm-hmm. but I feel like Arsenal fans would get seriously protective of of Raheem Sterling if, you know, on the front page of the fucking Daily Mail or something, you know, this outrageous story of a young footballer doing something nice for his mum. You know, what a bastard. What an absolute fucking bastard Raheem Sterling is. See him the other day. He had breakfast. He had breakfast.
1: I know. He ate. It's a disgrace.
2: He spent money on food. What the fuck? Like, you know, so that kind of shit that goes on with the press and Raheem Sterling, I feel like Arsenal fans would would definitely uh, have his back in that regard. So we'd have a good player and we'd have this, Tremendously adverse, uh, ad- adversarial. Uh, is that the word I'm looking for?
1: It is. it is, it is.
2: Um, sorry, me word's no good today. Uh, adversarial relationship with those sections of the press, you know, um, on top of what we already have with, with some of it. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be well on board for a bit of Rahim. Yeah,
1: I'd like that. I'd like that. Did you read him saying actually that when he was a kid, his, he, Arsenal were interested in him, and he, he was advised yeah. by his mum to not go to Arsenal and to go to QPR. Right. Where he'd get more attention. Yeah. She said something like if you go to Arsenal there, if. 30 kids as good as you. Mm. But if you go to a smaller club, you'll stand out. So yeah. There we go. We uh, missed out on him way back when. Well, he did. He did
2: stand out and he ended up at Liverpool. So uh, yeah. she's obviously a fairly smart lady. There's a really good piece. There's a website called the Players' Tribune, I think it is. And uh, yeah. there was a really good piece with Raheem Sterling during the week. So uh, check that out if you haven't already. It might well change your perception of somebody whose who's image in the press. Um, I think, you know, the the dangerous thing or the the sad thing is is that people will see A lot of the stuff that goes on in the press and whether they read it or not, it kind of subconsciously becomes the image of a player, doesn't it? Because it's so relentless and you're hearing all the time about this flash guy or is, you know, he's money hungry because he left Liverpool to go to to Man City to, you know, earn more money. Okay, fine. But he's also won a shitload of stuff at Man City that he wouldn't have won at Liverpool. So, uh, you know, he uh, he's obviously as smart as his mother is. So do check that out um, on the Players' Tribune. It's uh, well worth a read.
1: And Raheem Raheem Sterling's mum for director of football at Arsenal. She clearly knows what she's talking about. Let's get her. Um, And then she can bring her son. (laughs) I uh, have another question for you, Andrew. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Uh, Okay. Clockender, who's at Block 13 Guna, says, what are the best and worst haircuts you have seen at the World Cup? Uh,
2: I don't know. Um, okay. I haven't really been paying that much attention to people's
1: hair. What are you talking about, Andrew? <laughs> I don't. I've been kind of watching the football. The, you know, the guy. You have got this all wrong. You've got this all they, wrong. They, they
2: kick it with their kick it with their feet and in the net, and it's been quite enjoyable from a footballing point of view. Um, but
1: VAR is, enables us to review the haircuts in slow motion and see how they respond to gravity, to I, the movement of the ball, okay, okay. to opponents pulling on them.
2: I tell a lie. I, I did notice the other day, was it Iran? And pretty much yeah. all the guys who play for Iran have amazing haircuts, like really cool, right. slicked, tight, good haircuts with guys They're who've Iran got are quite a handsome
1: team, I would say.
2: Yeah, they've got good hair. In Iran, you know, they, they can do things with their hair that I certainly can't, and you certainly can't. It's sort yeah. of thick and lustrous, and you know, you can, you can shape it and mold it and sculpt it and, and do all those kind of things. But I think that's true of most young men these days. They, they, like, to, uh, they like to do their hair, don't they? Their hair. You're not
1: suggesting that Mikhail Teta, maybe in his youth, spent some time in Iran. And that generation of children have grown up <laughs> with with these beautiful lustrous locks. Oh, maybe so. Uh, maybe so.
2: I don't know. I mean, uh, that would be I, a that would be a, a strange thing to accuse Mikel Arteta of. Maybe it's just one of Iran's natural gifts is to have
0: I think wonderful hair. Yeah, but uh, Iranian uh, yeah. hair.
2: In terms of terrible haircuts, though, so I can't. I can't <sighs> really think of any. Can you?
1: No, I mean, there's not been sort of an iconic, you know, like Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo with his weird <gasps> shave bit <gasps> on the front. Neymar? What? Neymar? Oh, Neymar. Yeah, that's who I was going to say. I mean, I think he's taken it too far, Andrew. Do you think? Yeah, I think it's, I, I, particularly in the first game, it, it reminds me a bit of, remember, Cristiano Ronaldo when he had like the spaghetti hair? Yes. Yes.
2: There's a definite noodle <laughs> element to his hair, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I just feel like that sort of pastor on top look mm. is is not good. And I feel like Brazil's fortunes in that first game probably correlated with how straggly and unkempt uh, Neymar's hair was. Yeah. I mean, I saw in the Colombia game, uh, there was a shot of the crowd and both Carlos Valderrama and Rene Higuita were in the crowd and they're still rocking their iconic Hairstyles like thirty years on.
2: Wow! I mean, in fairness, those two really did have some some serious hair. They had some hair going on yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I wow. mean, They're I full always of envy for them. I always wondered about that, like with uh, you know with Alderama, with uh, Fellaini to an extent as well, and even people with long hair playing football. Like, does it not make your head really, really hot? Is it just yeah. not uncomfortable to play football with? With long hair.
1: The Fellaini one, I always... And thank God, by the way, those transfer rumours about him moving to Arsenal appear to have died down. Yeah. But I always found it odd that a player who heads the ball so much would have, like, a big buffer on the top of his head. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Maybe it doesn't... I mean, it's hair. It just sort of scrambles down and scrambles back into shape again afterwards, you know? But
1: But it feels like you get a less clean
2: contact as a consequence. Yeah, is but that, that's only that if true? you're, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's any correlation between long hair and heading ability. I just felt, just from a from a comfort point of view, I'm not saying all footballers should have short back and sides or anything like that, but it's just a question. Like, is it not uncomfortable? But clearly not.
1: Yeah. Clearly like, I think not. it is hot, but I think, you know. You get used to style it. Style over substance, isn't it?
2: Yeah. You just get used to it, I guess. Hmm.
1: Mm, mm. Mm. Well, there we go. That's our summary of the haircuts. We are starting launching a special hair podcast uh, yeah. for Patreon subscribers <laughs> next <laughs> week where we're going to discuss haircuts from all around the world. Not yeah. just football. Yeah, uh, not so just football. into that.
2: Mm. Yeah, pop stars and politicians and all kinds. We, you don't worry. We're the guys to do it. We're clearly the guys. Yeah, yeah. We know so much about hair. Uh, here's a question from Puneet Verma, who's at Puneet 256, and he wants to know... Who do you think will be the first player sold under Unai Emery? And for how much? It's a guessing game here, I guess.
1: It is another guessing game. I like it, though. Um, I suppose it's about timing as well, isn't it? Like, who do you think is going to go? In what time? I'm looking at the squad. I'm actually going to go with a bit of a left field choice. And I'm going to say Danny Welbeck. Do you think so? Danny Welbeck. Hmm. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. Very quiet on the old contract front for Danny. Yeah. I suppose it would be yeah. during the World Cup, but not a peep. Uh and the potential availability of Lucas Perez, the development of Eddie and there's There are just a few things making me think maybe he's gonna move on. Yeah. And I'd say it'll be for like I don't know, £10, 10 million, pounds, something like that. Right. OK, well,
2: I mean, just to pick up on another tweet we have here from Khalil Kieran's, who's at Lord Khalil. He says, goodly morning, guys. As it stands, we are at our maximum non-homegrown player allowance, but constantly linked with Soyuncu, Banega and Jelson. Which three players will need to go? Should we be looking for more homegrown talent? Maguire, Loftus Cheek, for example, he says. But that's an interesting point. So that's why mm. I don't think Danny Welbeck will be the first guy to be sold. I think it will be either David Ospina. Yeah. Or Skodran Mustafi.
1: Do you, do you think they m- might sell Skodran Mustafi, even though he did a little piece on. Arsenal.com, there was a piece about him being friends with with Burnt Leno. You don't think that's gonna be well, we must play the friends together forever. That always works well.
2: Yeah. Uh I don't really think I don't really think that's the thing that keeps you out of club, you know? Frimpong and yeah. Jack Wilshire were great mates. And look how it all went for uh for old Frimpong there. So uh, no, that's True. not something so I i if if I had to put money on it, I would say ospina and I would say the price will be... Well,
1: we've been here so many times, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, but I'd
2: say the price will be four and a half million euros. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unless he plays really well for the rest of the World Cup, in which case the price might be a bit higher. But that would be my guess. But
1: yeah, that's a possible one. That's definitely a possible one. I mean, looking at the rest of the squad, I don't. there aren't loads of names jumping out me to be sold. I mean, obviously mm. there's the 50 million for Aaron Ramsey. Um, apart from that, I don't know.
2: Mm. Uh, is it my question or your
1: question? It's your oh, question. I think it's mine actually. Yeah. yeah. And th- we touched on uh, Eva Banega earlier, but this was such an intriguing question. I felt like we should come back to some again. And it's from Rob, who's at All Becomes Alive. And Rob says... He's 29-year-old, brackets, 30 in four days. So he's 29 until he's 30. <laughs> Ever Benega from Sevilla, really a player we should sign for 20 million euros. He has a history of partying and drinking, and he once ran over his foot with his own car. I don't think that's what we need right now.
2: Well, I mean... Does he ran he,
1: over his foot
2: a with bit his like own the, car. Yeah. Didn't the guy from fucking
1: E 17 do that? What's his name? Brian I've Harvey. i have love to look this up because I mean, is he driving the car? If so, how how's he contorted himself? I, I
2: don't know. I don't so know. His- I mean, the guy from E17, I think, was probably off his box on on yokes. You know, he'd taken a few pills and ran over his own. I think he did. He fucking run over his own legs or something. I think he could have like broken his hips. Uh,
1: the E17 guy.
2: Yeah, like he got trapped under the sign car. Him. So no, we definitely don't want to sign um, the guy from E17. Brian, have you wrong? Okay, here we go.
1: I've got it. I've got okay. it. I found okay. out what's going on. Ever Benega. This was in 2012. Will be out for six months after with a broken ankle after being run over by his own car. Benega came a cropper after he failed to set the handbrake in his car at a petrol station, and it rolled back and trapped his foot. Right. Well, who hasn't?
2: Uh, in their time, you know, had an incident with the handbrake. Certainly, at Arsenal, I, uh,
1: you did a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that's very true. I did. I, I, I do you remember I rolled the car into a tree. Yeah, because I parked on a downhill slope and I was trying to climb out the car on the because I couldn't get out on one side because it was too tight to another car, and I, as I was climbing out the other door, the passenger door with my knee took the car off the handbrake and rolled it into a tree. Yeah, so. You know, for the grace of God, go I. I mean, I can't throw any stones at Everbenekers. Twenty twelve. L- because was... I live in a house made of glass.
2: Yeah, that, that's a, that's a six years ago. Little accident. I think his partying days are behind him now. He certainly did enjoy a party in the early um, part of his career, but I think that's that's very much behind him now. Is he the kind of player we should be signing for twenty million? I think his release clause is twenty million. Maybe we won't have to pay that much to get him. But, like, I wouldn't have a problem with it. He's a good, experienced midfielder, played 50 games for Sevilla last season. You know, we do we do need depth in midfield. I think we spoke about this the other day. So, yeah, yeah.
1: I would... 63 caps for Argentina. Yeah. I mean, you don't get that easily. I mean, even if they are a bit rubbish right now. Mm. Just going back to the
2: important point, though, about Brian Harvey of E17. I'm oh, just, sure, yeah. I've just pulled up a, an article here. Pop star Brian Harvey has claimed gorging on jacket potatoes prompted a car accident that left him fighting for his life. The 31-year-old, who may never walk again, said he fell under the wheels of his reversing Mercedes after the food made him feel sick. He said he pulled open his car door to vomit while driving down a cul-de-sac, only to be thrown from his seat and crushed underneath his speeding car, shattering his pelvis. Harvey told GMTV... I'd just been stuffing my face with a load of jacket potatoes, and I felt sick, so I opened my car door to be sick. Instead of putting my foot on the brake, I put it on the accelerator, and it flew back. I must have hit four or five parked cars. It must have thrown me out of the car. My stomach was pushed into my lungs, which collapsed, and I was told the heel of one of my feet was found (laughs) up around the back of my head. Uh, uh, that sounds a terrible injury, but also hilarious.
1: <laughs> I mean, and- that's insane. <laughs> I mean, for a start, gorging... It sounds like when Alan Partridge drives to Dundee in Bare Feet eating Toblerone. I mean, why is he gorging on Check baked it, potatoes? I don't know. I'm I not. mean, who can eat more than one baked potato anyway? I mean, they're so filling and carby i mean it's quite a feat to gorge on several of them
2: but why if you were going to be sick wouldn't you just stop the car like nobody like if i was going to be sick in a car i would pull over or i would just stop the car even if it was in the middle of the road to lean out and be sick i wouldn't open the car door while i was driving and attempt to be sick outside the car door while going a lot what sort of what sort of jack of potatoes was he fucking eating were they fucking with magic I mean, it sounds mushrooms? like he's
1: fabricating an excuse for something else. Here. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like he tried to be sick under his own car while it was in motion and he was driving it. Yeah. I just can't fathom what was going on there. Obviously, I feel for him that he suffered these terrible injuries, but um, his decision-making process in the build-up to it, it certainly is worthy of some questioning.
2: Yeah, 100%. Wow. Okay. Well, there we go. So I don't think we can say. The dangers of
1: jacket potatoes, guys.
2: Yeah. Do not gorge on jacket potatoes, uh, whatever you do. All right. Uh, Final one, I think. Actually, we've got two quick final ones. Uh, One is from Chris, who's at one mister underscore W. And he says I've been in Spain for nine days so far and had three large bags of ham on ruffles all to myself. Should I be praised or should I be
1: judged? don't get in a car, mate. Don't get in a car because if you gorge on ruffles, if the qualities of potatoes carry through to those ruffles, if the, the if the ruffle making process hasn't you know got out the jacket potato qualities of them, you could be in real danger. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should he be what? Sorry, what was this question? Praised or judged? That's Praised. A- Praised. Do you think? Praised. He he doesn't have to report for
2: pre-season. He's all right. All right. Fair enough. I just thought you know three bags in nine days. It's not great, is it? You know, if you are gonna if you are gonna gorge a bit on something you can't get anywhere else, you know, maybe you should go a bit more, a uh, bit more all in there. Bag a day. Oh, I really? Think. You think yeah, that's not enough. I think a bag a day, Chris, for whatever's left of your holiday, a bag a day, and then you can be praised. So James yeah, is praising you. I think you that's un- right. Unjudged. Actually, yeah. good
1: point. Mm. Um, well, there's one more question, wasn't there?
2: Yeah, Let's it is from it. Um, Dean. Who's uh, at Dean Van Wynn Who says uh, I recently heard the word epitome pronounced epitome. home? Are there any strange, unexplainable gaps in your knowledge that you only became aware of later in life?
1: Mm. Most of them are to do with football, <laughs> and they emerge during the course of these podcasts. Um, epitome,
2: yeah. Like, I people- mean, is that incorrect, isn't it? Of course. I don't it's, know. Yeah, of course it's incorrect. But, you know, sometimes people see a word, and if they've only learned a word perhaps through reading, then they don't, they just have a pronunciation that that um, sticks with them that might be wrong, you know?
1: Sure. So he's saying it wasn't his gap in his knowledge, it was the no, person was pronouncing else. the word yeah. Yeah. who had a gap in theirs. Um, I'm sure I have loads. The problem with gaps in your knowledge is it's about how you become aware of them, isn't it? Is yeah. You have to get caught out. For it to be manifest. Do you know what I discovered um, recently?
2: This People might laugh at this, and you might laugh okay, at this. Okay, go on. But you know when you're putting on deodorant, underarm yeah. spray deodorant? Like, Where is this going to go? You get a yeah. much better spray on the second one if you change hands.
1: So what's he talking about? So explain that. Okay, so
2: pick up the pick up the deodorant in your right hand,
1: and you hang on. I've got a can of deodorant here. I can act this out. Okay,
2: do it. Okay, so uh, you've got the can of deodorant in your right hand, and then you go to left armpit first, right? And you spray it, and then I always used to just kind of turn my right arm. And spray That's it. That's what with, I'm
1: doing. That, like a claw motion Yeah, to exactly.
2: spray. You spray it under your right head. armpit. So you just use the same hand. But if you actually swap it over, you get a much better spray. Because when you're holding the can upside down, it's not quite as sprayy as it is when you're holding it the of right course. way around. So if you just change hands and spray it with your left hand, you get a much better much better coverage. I only do You have the that coordination the
1: with thing. your left hand to pull that off. I mean, like, my left hand is chaos. It could go anywhere.
2: Yeah. I'm I very can. right-handed. I'm very right-handed too, but like let me ask you this. If you're given a bottle, like a plastic bottle, a coke bottle, what hand do you yeah. what hand do you use to open the bottle? Like to, t- to, on, to turn to turn the lid of off. Now.
1: Okay, so I have to use my right hand to turn the... Oh, really? I, hold, I grip it with my left ah. and I turn the lid with my right. Right.
2: Well, I don't. I would hold the bottle in my right hand and do the undoing with my left hand.
1: Now, this is partly... Yeah, I think this is partly because I have broken my wrist on my left hand, so... Again? I, it, just now? No, 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 but, like, it's still... <laughs> just doing it now just practicing <laughs> this i did it trying to deodorize my own armpit with my right hand no i am um, so i don't trust my left hand very well so i might be doing it in like a an odd way but anyway wh- where are you going with this
2: where well what what hand if you were to hold a catapult like think if you've got a catapult in your hand what hand would you yep. hold a catapult in and what hand would you pull the 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 boingy bit
1: what do you call it i guess i would pull I would hold it with my left and pull with my right?
2: Right. Well, I would hold with my right and pull with my left. So Interesting. The, so the point I was making was I'm, I'm, I'm okay with my left hand. Maybe that's backwards for a right-handed person, is it? I don't know.
1: You're like the Sati Cazorla of catapults.
2: <laughs> but if I, yeah, I, I don't know if I could do it with, I could do it with hold with my left and pull with my right, but I definitely would have a better grip and aim if I was holding with my right and pulling with the left.
1: Really? I yeah. think that is an issue. I'd love it by the way, if like you were in a sort of skills challenge with Santi Gazola where he was doing like brilliant two-footed keepy ups and tricks and skills, and then you just came in and sprayed <laughs> your right armpit with your <laughs> with your left hand and were like, What about that guys? Yeah. Look at this man, he's opening a bottle like this. Yeah. <laughs> he opens one bottle one way and then opens one the other. And like wow. all the people gather around like Oh like the crowd are going mad. That's
2: unbelievable. <laughs> Never seen anybody yeah. do anything techers. like that. Anyway, My point is that yeah, that's my, my my knowledge gap is that just transferring the deodorant from one hand to the other makes for a slightly better spray of deodorant.
1: Can I ask, like, did you copy this from someone at the gym? Like, how did you fill that gap in your knowledge?
2: I think it was just uh, trying to get some deodorant out of a can that was almost empty,
1: and right. because I was holding the it upside down. Fundamentally, I don't think they're programmed to work upside down, are they? So uh, it's like.
2: Yeah. So I just, and then it was like, it was a A light moment. Exactly. A light bulb moment. It was like, oh my God, I've gone through my whole life doing this one thing this way. And it could have been slightly more effective if I'd done it the other way. I mean, what have I missed Mm. out on over the years? What have I missed out on? Probably not very much. It has to be said. No,
1: I mean, probably not a lot, but you're probably just slightly sweatier on one side than the other. But, you know, who isn't?
2: Who isn't indeed? All right. Well, look. I think we better leave it there. Do feel free to tell us on Twitter uh, at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog your incredible uh, gaps in knowledge that you filled in later in life. Uh, some good examples, yeah. I'm sure. Maybe we'll get a prize for the best one um, for next week's show. Oh, actually, uh, speaking of prizes and stuff, I was supposed to give a book away, uh, the Royal Arsenal Champions of the South book. I was supposed to announce the winner of that uh, on the uh, the Arscast on Friday, and I completely right. forgot to do that. So sorry about that. But the winner is uh, Alon Biran. So well done to you, Alon. Uh, A-L-O-N, which is uh, not Alan, it's Alon, 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 I don't know. Anyway, you win the book, I'll be in touch with you. We'll get the prize out to you uh, as soon as we can, so well done for that. Um, That's about that for this week. Enjoy the World Cup uh, for the rest of the week. We'll catch you on Friday for another one. Until then, take it easy.
1: Bye-bye.